Hello and welcome to Bardic Inspiration. My name is Max and I'll be your director slash game manager for this campaign. I'm going to start off with a little director's note here. This project was originally conceived mid-quarantine when the only theater making I could do was in an audio drama format. I started listening to D&D podcasts around the same time and absolutely fell in love with the dramatic storytelling potential that that highly structured format brings to the table. I've been working with the actors you're about to meet with a team of designers, dramaturgs, and assistant directors to develop an audio drama conducted within the structure of a tabletop role-playing game based on William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. This episode zero is meant to give you, as an audience, a solid foundation of the character work these actors are doing, the game mechanics we'll be playing with, and an understanding of this project as a whole. We'll introduce our performers, talk about our process, overview game rules, spend some time on character sheets, and then kick off the campaign. Welcome to this exciting experiment in improvisational performance and dice rolling as we attempt to blur the lines between theater and gameplay. Uh, I've talked for long enough now, and I think it's time for you to meet the actors before we get into character work. Would you start us off? Hello, my name is Becca Davis, and I will be playing Demetrius, also known as the, <laughs> <laughs> as the Whiz Kid. Woo. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm Hannah Hahn. I'll be playing Helena, also known as the Whiz Kid. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> My name is Allison Kinney. I'll be playing Hermia, who would fight anybody who called her the whiz kid. <laughs> My name is Silas Hayes. I am playing Lysander. I will never call someone the whiz kid. <laughs> Great. I'm going to talk a little bit about what our process to getting to the recording table here has been like. We started with two weeks of rehearsal as an ensemble. We read the full play. It took a long time to read the full play. <laughs> Did some pretty intensive table work, diving into the text, talking about understanding of plot but really focusing more on a character study of who these people are because I'm counting on these players to take pre-existing characters and tell an almost entirely new story within this structure. We also spend a lot of time on improv practice, building our skills as a group, learning how to say yes to each other and build off of each other's ideas, which I think will be a big part of this storytelling, and just generally getting to know each other as an ensemble and performers and as people. At the same time, we had a simultaneous process writing the campaign with a team of dramaturgs, which we had the real luck of having a group of three, Lily Halleck, Javier Perez, and our own Becca Davis, uh, the kid. Who brought <laughs> the whiz kid who brought really great perspectives to this Halleck and Javier brought tons of experience with TTRPGs and gave me as a director so many good notes on how to build a game system and write a campaign and how to have the structure that these actors need to be players in this room. And Becca brought a whole lot of great traditional dramaturgy in terms of how do we turn Shakespeare's text into a campaign as well. And the big question in both of these processes, not just for me as the director, but for this whole team of actors and designers, was how do we marry the components of theater and role-playing games? Because everyone in this room has some passion for each, some have more experience with one or the other, but we really dug into how do we toe the line between directing and game management? How do we turn dramaturgy into a campaign writing process? How do we turn table work into character sheets, which is one of the places I really saw the parallels between these processes in the first place, and which we're going to get to see later in this episode. Before we get to character sheets, 
I want to give you all a quick rundown of Core, which is the system we're using. We've cut some parts of it for theatrical purposes to make this as audience accessible as we can, but I want to give you an overview of what rules we are using. Each of the actors in the room with me right now has a character sheet in front of them with three major sections on it. The first one just has name, pronouns, description, which they got at the start of the process with Shakespeare's characters. And the next is aspects, which are the core traits that make up a character. The start of that is the high concept, which is who the character is in essence. For the examples, we have a mad scientist, the old sage mentor, a grizzled veteran, or the knife-wielding housewife. I don't think we have any knife-wielding housewives Mm. in this, uh, which is a real shortcoming, but... Hopefully in the future, we'll have a game with one of those. The character's trouble, which is something in the character's life or personality that's causing them hardship. When we talk about obstacles in theater, I think this is a place where we see that parallel more directly. These actors are thinking about what their character's major obstacles in their lives are that they need to overcome. The examples we have from Fake Core are Wanted by the Mob, Too Nice for Their Own Good, or Secretly Going Crazy. They're all (laughs) so much fun to play, right? And then skills, there's a whole list. We'll get into them when we're in the character sheets. But this is where the game mechanics of dice rolling will really come into play, where we have things like notice, lore, stealth, fight. Players are going to rank these based on how good they think their character is at that specific thing. And for each, they get one plus four, two plus three skills, three plus two skills, and four plus one skills. So you have a little pyramid there, which allows them to add bonuses to rolls for checks on those things. So for example, if the actors walk into a new clearing in the forest, and I ask them to do a notice check to see what they see in the space, if one of them has a plus four skill to notice, they'll roll their dice, whatever outcome they get from that, they will add plus four. Some other important terms, fate points. Each player starts with three of these. They can be used to increase a roll by two ignore situational, environmental, or character aspect, or create situational or environmental aspects. They want to notice something. As an improvisational performer, they are allowed to spend a fate point on that. Invoking an aspect is something that if the player has that character aspect to help them, they can invoke it to get a bonus there, or I can invoke as the GM their aspects against them to give them challenges. Aspects aren't all necessarily advantages. The most obvious example I can think of is if anyone sustains an injury in this campaign, it will become an aspect. And if they attempt to do something that I think that injury would hold them back from, I will give them a disadvantage by invoking that aspect. Do emotional injuries count? Emotional injuries absolutely (laughs) count, Hannah. I am counting on these characters dealing each other emotional injuries. (laughs) So the important question, how do you do things in Fate Core? Yeah, right? You'd all like to know. I would. So when a character wants to do something, the GM picks the skill it falls into and or provides the player with options. They roll four Fate dice, which are six-sided dice with two pluses, two minuses, and two blanks on them. And then they get a total from there. They add their skill bonus if their character has one. And then the GM decides whether the skill bonus plus the roll results in success. Fate has a ladder or relative to each other what these point totals count for that goes from a negative two being terrible, negative one being poor, zero being mediocre, plus one being average, plus two being fair, three being good, four being great, five being superb, six (laughs) being fantastic, seven being epic, and eight being absolutely legendary, um, which... We won't stick to super strictly. That will be more a measure of 
what those numbers mean relatively to each other, but it's nice to have Fate's Little Ladder there for us. And from there, the player receives one of four outcomes, which we're also going to play just a little loosey-goosey with. They can fail. The thing that they wanted doesn't happen or happens at a great cost to them. They can tie with me, which means it happens at a minor cost to them. They can succeed. The thing happens with no cost. Or they can succeed with style, which means it happens with an added benefit. Yeah. One other thing. <laughs> oh. One other thing players can do is they can choose to invoke an aspect to re-roll their dice or boost their score by two. They can do that with fate points as well. So now that we've done the big bad rules overview, let's jump into character work. Let's jump in. So the way we're going to start is we're going to do a little go around and have the actors talk about the table work they've already done on these characters strictly as actors first before we start building character sheets. Again, they have spent time with the text. They've all read it together. And we spent a lot of time doing little interviews in table work where I asked them lots of hard-hitting questions about, you know, their childhood, <laughs> their parents, um, their hopes, their dreams, their hobbies, all those fun things. I'm going to let you guys take it away. Well, when Demetrius was in elementary school, <laughs> he could run really fast. Demetrius could run fast. Um, so that's just like the most important thing. So someone else go. And that's when I knew I loved him. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think as a kid and, and now, Helena is very feminine, very in touch with her feelings. I think a core memory for her even now is that she adores like Disney movies or whatever the equivalent is back then. <laughs> and like she, know, she knows in The Lion King, she knows the Mufasa moment is coming. She knows. Yet every single time she will fall her <laughs> eyes out. It's just, you know, it's just a heartwarming story of unconditional love. Every time she watches Oedipus Rex, oh, <laughs> she's heartbroken. I want to jump back to Demetrius. We talked oh, a yes. lot about oh, sorry. his role. I mean, we know, we know that he ran fast. <laughs> there is actually a little bit more to Demetrius than meets the eye. Please. We talked about how Demetrius is a little bit of a nepotism baby. How he kind of has that thing where it's like that picture perfect family, but like definitely does not connect emotionally with his family. I think uh, kind of opposite to Helena, Demetrius is not in touch with his emotions at all. And so... He, but he's really good at keeping up appearances. We've um, kind of looked at like the text and we could tell that Demetrius is very popular with adults, but not so much with Helena's. No, Hermia's. She's, he's very popular with Helena. So we talk a lot about how just Demetrius just does not cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there's like the question of like, when was the last time? Yeah, you cried? we did get asked, uh, when was the last time your character cried? And I said, Demetrius doesn't cry. Last time he cried, he, uh, he was a kid and his dad like nipped that in the bud. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Helena before this campaign begins? Ooh, yeah, juicy. We, we talked about this a little bit that they uh, hooked up at a party mm -hmm. at a Bacchanal and, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Helena misinterpreted it as like, oh yeah, we're dating. We're dating. He now. loves me. <laughs> and Demetrius was like, well, I mean, if we can keep hooking up. In, in his head, he's like that, but then he's like, sure. Demetrius and Helena in like the, the canonical text used to be engaged or betrothed to each other. We're translating that to this campaign that Demetrius and Helena used to be an item. I think at some point, Demetrius was like really in love with Helena. 
but just in the way that he's like, I've never had feelings before. <laughs> like, is that what that's, I like feel good when I'm yeah. around her. Yeah. He proposed to me like senior graduation. Like, it <laughs> yeah. was a whole big thing, like on the stage. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm crying. And of course the parents loved it. Yeah, yeah. it was a wonderful proposal. And then like before college, Demetrius sent a squire, not even in person. He a sent squire. a squire to tell me <laughs> that he's calling off the proposal because he, quote, is looking for something more casual. Yeah, squire then, breakup is just yeah, brutal. Yeah, brutal. But then of course... Something more casual does turn into him courting Hermia for marriage, which is not quite casual. And I'm not entirely sure if, I think Demetrius is probably like marrying Hermia because that's what like his dad wants. Demetrius maybe wants Hermia a little bit because she's with Lysander. Segwaying into that is like, I guess Demetrius's relationship with Lysander which is that Demetrius believes he has a rivalry with Lysander that Lysander is not aware of. There is no rivalry. Which I think is a great transition into talking about who is Lysander. Lysander is, he began on a very similar path to Demetrius. Very, you know, upper class family in Athens. His parents were a little more loving than Demetrius's. Talked about their feelings. Pretty much the model family in all ways. But unfortunately, they died uh, when he was around eight or nine. So he remembers them pretty clearly. He remembers their love for each other and the example that they set for him, along with kind of how to navigate the Athenian world. But he has a tough time navigating it sometimes because he doesn't really like it. He finds a lot of it very fake. Demetrius is definitely in the fake group but no rivalry there you yeah. know because everyone's <laughs> super fake <laughs> we just all so, look the same to you <laughs> yeah you guys are all yeah. kind of very similar he was raised by his aunt who lives in the woods what's her name aunt granola <laughs> <laughs> aunt granola is his mom's sister she is one of the many lesbians who lives in the woods and they they kind of have a a Kind of a gang out there. Um, <laughs> gang. Yeah, I'm going to tell you guys all right now, no guarantees that you get there as players, but the lesbian commune in the forest has been written in. They <gasps> oh, are in yes. You can find them. Oh, my God. That's anyway, going to be going to be looking for her. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is, so to go to the story a little bit, that is uh, Lysander and Hermia's actual destination. They're going to Aunt Granola's house um, to get away from the dumb parents. Because uh, Lysander is not loved like Demetrius is by the parents of Athens. Uh, he is kind of an outsider, more of a, not really a bad boy, but he uh, was not the runner. He was definitely more <laughs> of a thinker, um, <laughs> but not a super nerd either. Uh, he kind of just likes to think about his feelings a lot has trouble kind of processing them a lot of the times, even though he does spend a lot of his time thinking about them. And kind of the big thing in his life with Hermia is that he, he kind of views Hermia and his relationship as the key to his happiness almost because he saw how his parents were and how happy they were. And he's looking for that lifelong relationship with another person to achieve that happiness once again that he had as a child. Aww. Thanks, guys. Yeah. You, before we move on, Silas, can you outline specifically why they run away into the forest? The, just the plot point 
yes. drives yeah, the yeah, two yeah, of them yeah. to leave. So in the opening scene of Midsummer's, which we are starting after, Demetrius and Hermia are going to be married. Hermia argues, no, I don't like Demetrius. Like, I love Lysander. Um, Lysander's like, yeah, I love Hermia. Um, whereas Aegeus, Hermia's dad is like, you have to marry Demetrius. Uh, with that comes the threat of either eternal virginity Oof. by being sent to a nunnery. A little bit of Hamlet there. Uh, mm. Or death. Um, yeah. Hermia doesn't want to die nor wants to be eternally uh, a nun. Nor marry Demetrius. <laughs> uh, nor marry Demetrius. Those are her three options. Those are the three options. Fate literally yeah. worse than death. Yeah. <laughs> so with those three options, Lysander is like, hey, I have this aunt. She lives in the woods. We can tonight steal away. Meet me in the woods and we will go to this aunt's place and we will live happily ever after. They call it the ant hill. Yes, we can we can go live at the ant hill and we'll be the only straight couple, but <laughs> I'm sure they'll accept us. Yeah, it'll be cute. Token straights. We, we will be <laughs> Token straights. Awesome. I want to hear about Hermia now. Well, Hermia is very bisexual, for the record. We're making this canon. <laughs> Only I will be the token straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. We've, been, we've been talking a lot about the growing up of our characters. Mm-hmm. I think because the play gets to them at the point where they're, they're making the turn from children, you know, being societally children, to being adults in the world of marriage. And for Hermia, that transition from childhood into adulthood has come with the very sudden and unsettling uh, requirement to be a woman in public. Hermia hasn't had to deal with that much in her life up to this point, or hasn't really wanted to. So we talked about her dad, Aegeus, and how, you know, he brings his kid to court and tells the king of the city, make my kid marry the person I want her to, otherwise I want to... I want to execute her, as is my right under Athenian law. So I think their relationship isn't the closest. I think that's fair. I think Hermia spent a lot of time running around in her backyard growing up. And thinking about femininity in relationship to the other characters, I think in addition to having a a massive but unacknowledged crush on Helena all through high school, uh, Hermia looks to Helena for how to be a woman. I think she sees Helena as sort of the perfect girl in all ways. And so is like always sort of looking sideways at her being like, how do I? How do you be feminine? Yeah. Yeah. And then with Lysander, unlike, I think, with most other men in her life who would be flocking around at this time since she is apparently desirable, Lysander <laughs> is her pal. <laughs> with Lysander, Aww. she doesn't have to be girl. She can <laughs> just be herself. We've established that they were they were buddies, they were best friends for a long time before they started, you know, before Lysander started serenading Hermia under her window. <laughs> I play guitar. <laughs> I like establishing no no flocking from Lysander. He he didn't flock. He was a buddy. <laughs> what does Hermia think of Demetrius <laughs> before they're like engaged to be married? If Demetrius 
was the sort of guy who would have a rivalry with girls, like Hermia would be ready to try and run faster than Demetrius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Did she like notice did she notice him? <laughs> Probably only as the the kid who was irritatingly faster than her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or like the kid your best friend is dating. That too. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll get yeah, into yeah, that now. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about Helena. Well, okay. To go off of what you were saying about like Hermia constantly comparing herself to Helena for what it means to be like a woman and to be feminine. Like Helena is like very insecure about herself and like is constantly comparing herself to others. And so like canonically, we're both baddies. True. You know, appearance <laughs> canonically. We're it's talking canon. a lot about canon here. Yeah, and I think and you're taller than me. Or am I shorter? No, Hermia's no, the short one. Hermia's the short one. Oh, shoot, I'm the tall baddie. Though she be but little. She do be fierce. And I think um, growing up, probably more so in middle school and high school when these insecurities start popping up more. I think Helena definitely secretly but would never admit she compares herself constantly to Hermia because I think Helena is just constantly comparing herself to others, constantly trying to find that external sense of validation and love because I think growing up as a child, her relationship with her family is like, if anybody asked, I think Becca, you, you asked this to me during some of our earlier rehearsals, if she would say to others if she loves her parents, And I think Helena would definitely say, oh, my gosh, I love my parents. I love them to death. But what Helena is clinging on to is like the picture perfect photo album version of the family rather than the reality, which is that her parents probably weren't around that much, probably had like a insecure attachment to her parents. Not that they would like berate her or anything, but that they were just kind of cold. Uh, And so definitely that impacts why she you know, loves Demetrius so much and feels so drawn to Demetrius because I think there's definitely that, like, kind of, I can fix him, codependent thing. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because a lot of what you were saying, I mean, Helena's relationship with her parents sounds very similar to Demetrius's relationship Mm. with his parents. And I think Demetrius also is very much, I mean, in a different way, uh, constantly comparing himself to other people. And that's where that, like, competitive streak comes from. So, so in a way, we've kind of do have stuff in common, We're and like, and, and Hermia <laughs> and Lysander also kind of have their like isolation stuff in common. And Hannah gets bonus points for diving into attachment styles. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else have anything more they want to talk through with their characters, each other's relationships? Lysander wears flannels. Okay. Important. That's key. And he studies philosophy. See, I was about to do my, I do have like a thing for each of you that came up in table work that you haven't mentioned yet that I need to get in here. Okay. okay. Wait, what are they? Number one, Demetrius was a boy scout. <laughs> yeah, that's a yes. very important detail. Yeah, Demetrius was a boy scout. Um, I think it was a lot of like the, the preparatory work of like, how do you tie a knot? Maybe like reading a book on how to make a fire, but I do think he hasn't spent a lot of time actually in the woods with practical experience. He's the Boy Scout who didn't get his hands dirty. Yeah, like exactly. You let the other Boy Scouts build the fire. Yeah, well, he, it's because he was a leader. Exactly. <laughs> <It's 'cause> exactly. <laughs> Some people need to take charge. Yeah. Bill, okay, different. Okay. He's Eagle Scout material. Exactly. Eagle Scout material for sure. Yeah, he he was helping out like the the scout leader guy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The scoutmaster. <laughs> Such a kiss up. Oh, oh best friends with the scoutmaster. For Helena, I was remembering we talked through each character's college major, and Hannah's description of Helena was that she's an English major who does none of the readings. Oh yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. 
Which I just thought was a nice specific <laughs> archetype for that character. Yeah. I mean, Helena, she's not like the working type, you know? She's just not built for like a nine to five. She's more of like a feeler, you know? So she doesn't do No, she, she does not do her work. That's, that's, yeah. And she can get away with it too. For Hermia, I have written down that as a young child, she was the one who would make potions. Yes. In the forest. Mud pies. Very, which, which behavior from Hermia as a small child, which I really appreciate. Just I really love that. feral woodland child. Fair, that's what it was. If Hermia as a child had a character sheet, the high aspect is feral woodland child. I really love. I, I was going to talk about philosophy <laughs> with you. You have such a detailed character worked out here. Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> have much to add. Okay, wait. I didn't ask you this one in table work, but now I want to know. Okay, on the spot. Let's do it. What current music would he Ooh. listen to? <laughs> so I was actually thinking about this on the way here. Oh. Great mind. Um, he had an emo phase for sure. What I was. I was going through my Spotify, like literally like <laughs> what is what is Lysander listened to on the way here? And um I ended up on Tom Rosenthal. Yeah. So like kind of soft, melodic, very feely music, but sometimes a little bit goofy. Cause you know, I've been reading those philosophy books and they say you need balance in life. Mm. Tom Rosenthal was the best, like current current <laughs> Lysander's state that I could figure out. I love that. Strong emo phase, though. Strong emo phase for Lysander. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, on that note, let's jump into these character sheets. I'm going to start with descriptions of skill. Our absolutely beloved dramaturg, Halleck, has sent us their, in their own words, description of every one of the skills, which I'm going to read verbatim because they are fantastic. So this is Halleck's quick rundown of skills, which begins with athletics, which is sports stamina. We have burglary, breaking and entering, <laughs> robbing things. I think it's an important add-on. Uh, we have contacts, how many important people you know and can easily contact. We have crafts, which is making things, fixing them. We have deceive, which is telling lies. We have drive, <laughs> which is operating vehicles and riding animals. We a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, you're planning on a lot of drive. Yeah. I'd love to see you work that in here. <laughs> We have empathy, which is detecting others' emotions. As an empath. Yeah. <laughs> I think. We have fight, which is physical fighting. Oh Investigate. God. We have lore, which is knowledge, what you know. Notice, which is your perception of your environment. We have physique, which is pure strength, comma, how buff you are. <laughs> we have provoke, which is an emotional attack. <laughs> we have resources, which is what important things you have access to. We have shoot, which is for ranged attacks. We have stealth. We have will is the last one, which is how easy you are to break. That one, sh- oh. That's short for William Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> so let's go back around and why don't we start with high concept one by one and then we'll jump into skills. Okay. Lysander's high concept is he is an outsider in his feelings. Ooh. <laughs> Very much always in his feelings, even if he doesn't know what they are. Sometimes it takes him a long time to process those emotions, but he's always thinking about them. That's a really good high concept. Thank you. Is he big into wallowing? Yeah. Oh, oh huge wallower. Oof. Huge wallower. But once he's not wallowing, he can be, once he knows what he's feeling, he can be very expressive. Love it. What's Hermia's high concept? 
trying to think of a concise way to put it. She's very intense. She's very like zero to 60 in no time Feral. flat. That, Feral. Yeah. <laughs> Feral has to be a part of it, but like semi-domesticated, mm-hmm. like kind of trying to be, doesn't want to be alone so much anymore. Mm. Wants to try and make a life with Lysander. <laughs> but still, her first instinct when she wakes up and he's gone is, oh, I bet he's dead. And then when she meets <laughs> Demetrius, she's like, oh, I bet you killed my boyfriend. Now <laughs> I have to kill you. Oh, this is terrible. But I think she might be one of those like middle grade protagonist of a middle grade novel for empowering girls. Yes. Yeah. She might be warrior girl. <laughs> yeah. May I make a suggestion? Please. Fast and furious and feral. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yes. Yeah. Does that work for that you? Works really well. Yeah. So good. Is it canonical that Hermia is actually faster than Demetrius? Maybe you'll have to have Roll a race. Oh. Yeah. In the game. <laughs> Helena's legs are longer though to run away. True. Okay. So far my high concept is lovesick lover. Aww. Yeah. She's really trying to win back Demetrius. She can fix him. You know, I was joking earlier, but actually, I think my high concept might be the whiz kid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because, like, think about it. Um, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I I want you to, like, ruminate in it a little bit. Um, Just sit in the whiz and think about it. I think the thing about, like, a whiz kid is that not everyone loves a whiz kid. I think Hermia's hate whiz kids. But, like, a lot of people like them. And, like, I also think that part of being a whiz kid is, like, that sense of, oh, you got to keep staying on, t- like, that, that internal stress from internally of the whiz kid um, to stay, to keep on being the whiz kid. I'm, I'm sponsored by whiz kids, so if I keep saying yeah, it, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, I actually think that might be my high concept. I think it's the source of Demetri- all, everything good in Demetrius's life as well as everything terrible about it. I think you defended the whiz kid well. Yeah. Write it down. Put it on that character sheet. How do you spell whiz? W-I-Z. Is there not an H? If there's an H, it's piss. <laughs> <laughs> I think Helena is the only one who unironically calls you the whiz kid. And I, I don't like it when you call <laughs> Exactly. Oh my god. I get That's these characters. So perfect. Bardic Inspiration is brought to you by... Has this ever happened to you? Ah, no! My bellows needs mending, but I don't know how to do that! Then you need Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Let's listen to a real review by a satisfied customer. Uh, hi, I'm Tom Snout. Even as a tinker, I'm not good at mending bellows, so I sure am glad. I sure am happy that Flute could do it for me for a reasonable price. My bellows are so mended now that they that they blow better than ever. You heard it here first, folks. Flute's bellows blow more than any other bellows. I mean, these bellows blow. You can support our mission to increase the availability and accessibility of theater to the University of Virginia community and beyond by donating to Shakespeare on the Lawn at Sotol at UVA on Venmo. That's S-O-T-L-A-T-U-V-A on Venmo. Thank you. All right, let's spend a minute on aspects now. So these are two to three things that are the most important 
parts of who you are as a character. They can be specific skills. They can be relationships in your life. They can just be parts of your personality or experiences you've had. Very broad. But what are those building blocks of who you are? I think a big one for Demetrius um, that in some cases I think could be like helpful is, um, but also bad, is repression. Mm. So I think this is something that would like, like emotional repression. I think in some cases that would be a good thing. But then, of course, something like that like bubbles to the top. Yeah, I can totally imagine invoking emotional repression. I would like to evoke emotional repression. You're just going to explode. <laughs> yeah. I got one. What I was talking about a minute ago, Hermia's intensity, her sort of zero to 60 mm-hmm. acceleration of committing really strongly to a thing. And also like deciding that things are a way and then being like, yes, this is the way it is. The world is thus. Period. My boyfriend is dead. I have to I have to avenge him. Now I am the Avenger. Thank you. Hermia is vengeance. Yeah. Um, can we put that down as tunnel vision? Ooh. Because I can totally imagine instances in the game where being super focused and driven on one thing could be helpful. I can also totally imagine tripping you up with that. I have two written down here. Go for it. The first is Hermia is my best friend. Aww. Um, yeah, that, that's like a, that's like a never changing. Well, we'll see if I get under the spell in the play. No spoilers. Uh, put under a spell to love Helena. Um, but Hermia is my best friend. And then my second one is we'll do anything for lifelong love. Mm. I like the ambiguity of the second one. If you do end up under the spell, we're invoking that one. Oh yes, those are great. I'm gonna suggest a third for you. Oh boy. Okay. Both the fact that he is an orphan and his only family member being Aunt Granola, who I will note is not in the original text and is also my favorite character in Midsummer Night's Dream now. <laughs> she, is she is in the original text. Well, She's not as oh. Aunt Granola. Yeah, let me <laughs> correct you. Lysander's <laughs> aunt. She is, is a widowed text. aunt, a dowager. Yes, Aunt Granola is not named in William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's You don't know that. Debatable. I do. I have read the play. <laughs> read it again. Yeah, it's deep in there. You really <laughs> dig into the subtext. Yeah, it's like an fir- acrostic. Yeah. If you look at the first letter <laughs> of every sentence that Bottom says, yeah. it spells out granola. Beautiful. We're unraveling mysteries here. <laughs> so however you want to put that as an aspect, whether it's the fact that he's an orphan or the fact that his only remaining family member is his aunt, I think that's interesting because I think it's something he has about his identity that's unique from the rest of the characters in the room and something that in our text work has been really foundational to who he is as a person. You can have your Batman like I'm flashing back on my parents all the time and it, you know, makes me super driven, but it also, you know, does bad things to Batman. Can I write that as family is all I have? Ooh, yeah, write it as that. Damn. Now Lysander has three aspects and I only have one. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wanted it to be Batman, but that's better. aspects. Well, I already said Hermia is vengeance. So. Yeah. I guess I'll <laughs> They're both this is why, This is why they work. As I'll, a I'll put in parentheses Batman. I'm Batman. I appreciate specifically. that. I'm Batman. I think I put, at first I put down like insecure as an aspect, uh, but then I changed it to will do anything to win Demetrius back. Yes. So I think that 
Maybe I will add Insecure on top of that because the will do anything to win Demetrius back by itself kind of indicates like an ambitious ambitiousness or maybe like maybe like a Lady Macbeth type attitude, which I don't think she has. Um, because another aspect I wrote down was unabashedly emotional. Like I think she is she feels her feelings has no shame about feeling her feelings strongly. So those are the two I have. Unabashedly emotional and will do anything to win Demetrius back. But I wanna I wanna figure out a way to encompass the like the self-deprecation and insecurity because in the text you know when lysander gets hit with that potion she her first reaction is that it's a prank right well i love the two you've put because i think it's cool to have one that's about the relationship and one that's about you as an individual i think that's a strong way to ground the character and i also think those are interesting because they can cut both ways as a gameplay mechanic these are most interesting when you can use it to be like hey max I want to do this thing yeah. and I'm going to get a bonus from this thing I wrote down mm-hmm. two days ago. But it's also fun when I get to be like, I'm going to trip you up now because mm-hmm. you wrote this thing down two days ago. I think like it could be interesting because I was kind of similar to Helena. If she's doing whatever she can to get Demetrius, I don't know if Demetrius would do whatever he could to get Hermia, but I think Demetrius would do whatever he could to like one up Lysander or be better than Lysander. Yeah, you want to put rivalry with Lysander as yeah. an aspect? Because that can definitely cut both ways. When I want to float, I'm still kind of thinking it through. Hermia's father takes her to court and says, do what I say or you die. Hermia's mother doesn't show up to this court date, which makes me think she's probably out of the picture. I'm thinking maybe she eloped secretly. I think that she left Hermia's father. What I'm getting at is Hermia hasn't had a lot of people in her life who she can rely on because even Helena left her to chase Demetrius. Mm. Mm. But I think she trusts Lysander completely. That's good. Because that, that can also go south. Right? That could totally be a weakness. If he messes up, trusting him completely doesn't look good. Now I'm thinking about my relationship with Hermia because, like, definitely growing up, Hermia and Helena, we discussed we're, like, best friends. Like, we just had each other. I was the kind to make flower crowns when we played in the forest, and you're the kind to run feral. But we were, you know, <laughs> with each other in the forest every day after school. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out where that, where we are now, because I'm, yeah. I'm very. There's got to be a lot of distance and resentment, maybe on my side, that like you got Demetrius when I want Demetrius so much. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. How about inferiority complex? Oh, that's good. That's good. Writing that down. Could I make an amendment to uh, repression? Because I feel like it still falls under that. Like, doesn't, isn't sure what he feels. Or do you think that's just like implied? I feel like that's implied. I like repression because it implies that he it can s- return. He can snap. Yeah, return of the repressed. Return of the repressed. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I agree that he doesn't really get his feelings. Yeah. But I also think it's important that his feelings are going to show up, whether he understands them or they're, not. They're, the, they're bubbling. Hermia and Helena, I wonder if post-children together in the woods, they both have like discontents with the relationship and maybe the discontents are centered around each other's boyfriends Mm. and they just don't talk about it because they're worried about risking the relationship. There's lots of like sort of secret cracks. I feel like our relationship cracks because I've just betrayed you. 
I'm like, well, if it's between my hoes or my bros, I'm picking my bros. Oh. <laughs> I'm your bros. Did we have an aspect in there? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was just backstory. That was good. I mean, it's good backstory hey. building. Keep it up. Hose before bros is a good aspect for another <laughs> campaign. Oh, we could make that an aspect, though. Broken trust between the two of us on both yeah. sides. Because I also betrayed you. I was going to leave you. I'm like, good luck in Athens. I'm heading to the woods. Heading to the anthill. <laughs> <laughs> the way skills are going to go is we're going to go around again. We'll start with our one super skill, which you get plus four for. And then we'll go back around and do your threes, your twos, and your ones. Lysander's great skill is will. <laughs> is that on the list? That is. Yeah. On the yes. List. A will. Did I you say will? Will. I heard whittle. Oh. I heard. I, I was heard, like, no. I this is the whittle. Boy Scout over no, here. No, 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 no. I also heard whittling. Okay, thank you. I, I, I did do some projects with Aunt Granola around the house, you know? It sure, is in the sure. woods, yeah. so we got to keep it up. But uh, no, will is Lysander's great skill. I was thinking will for Hermia. Oh no, should, should we revise that? I, I, so I, I will say I had like three that I was choosing between, um, so I can go with a different one. I think it's very interesting if you are a couple that has the same primary skill as human beings, you know, talking outside of game mechanics, right? But talking within game mechanics, if you two end up in conflict, <laughs> you <laughs> both get plus four to will checks. And if I have you will check against you, which I really want to do now, you both get the same huge bonus. So if that's your gut instinct, I say first thought, best thought, stick with it. Cool. Plus four to Will for Hermia. I love that. <laughs> Who else has a great skill? I'm an empath. Yeah. <laughs> Empathy. Love it. Yeah, I'm struggling a little bit with this one. I, I think that Demetrius would have a pretty high score for provoke, which is emotional attack, because he does say some really mean things. Um, so I think it's it's interesting to have a character if provoke is his great skill and empathy is unranked. I think that's a very interesting combo. Yeah, so so make that choice for both of them. That provoke is the the great skill and he has no empathy ability. One thing you said in table work that I thought was really interesting. I think this was about Demetrius that in some ways he's he's an empath in that he can read other people's emotions but he just doesn't care. In part of the table work, as I said, that like Demetrius's dad is like a politician, mm. and that Demetrius is kind of like interning under that. So I feel like that's why provoke, and emo- he'd be good at emotional attack. Right, right, yeah. Well, now I just want to make you do high concept intern, but I'm not going to make you rewind like that. I have my good skills. Your good skills. Yes, Lysander is good at provoking. So I have provoke and deceive. Hmm. Why deceive? Well, he has to go to all these Ath- Athenian functions, oh, true. The functions and pretend like he uh, wants to be there. But he definitely does not want to be there. He's like that meme of the guy standing in the corner of the party like they don't all know I yeah. read philosophy in my free time. Yeah, yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, love yeah. it. They don't, they, they don't all know that I'm stoic. Exa- oh, they don't know <laughs> he's a stoic. That's great. I, I like that. That's an interesting take on deceive because often it's about like being duplicitous and lying. And I like that it's a bit of a fake it till you make it. It's more just like blending in. Yeah. 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 I really like that take. I have good skills that are based in the text. Tell me your good skills. All right. So we know that Hermia was a vixen when she was at school. Yes. That gets shouted (laughs) at her. So fight is a good skill. Yeah. Put it up there. 
oh, this one isn't in the text, but we established in table work that Hermia is a mechanical engineer in college. <laughs> so crafts. And she made potions. True. I'm stuck on the potions. <laughs> I think that's where the craft training comes in, too. Okay, here are the two pairs that I'm debating between. Provoke and crafts or contacts and resources. So mm. with provoke and crafts, I thought with provokes, like she's got some spicy lines about calling her a vixen or That's like true. a shorty. She knows how to get a rise out of her. Yeah, These are very knows, provoking characters. Yeah, She knows how to kind of sink her claws in when she needs to. And then for crafts, I was thinking like maybe stereotypically, but she's probably really good at like you know, grew up making flower crowns as a child. <laughs> Very good at the quilting, knitting stuff. I think crafts are good skills to have in a forest. I think that <laughs> could manifest in interesting ways. So what are the two of those you want to put as good, knowing that you can put the rest of them on the next level? Hmm. It might be more interesting to do good in craft, or to do uh, provoking crafts. I think it's a great combo. One destructive, one productive. Hmm. Two sides of the same coin. She giveth and she taketh away. A lot of provoking. Yeah, we're uh, very in, in the provo- game. Very we're very provocative. That's very in character. Very true to the source material. I put provoke as my main one, and then I think for good, I have athletics because Demetrius is a runner, and I put resources because I was thinking that Demetrius would come into the woods with so much supplies. <laughs> <laughs> he is a Boy Scout. Ready to hit your next level. Yeah, let's do it. My fair skills are lore. Um, I know, I know, know some things about the woods. Uh, thank you, Aunt Granola. Uh, as well as notice, I spend a lot of my time kind of observing people. Mm-hmm. We talked about in table work, uh, Lysander being the outsider that he is, uh, and maybe that's a little self fulfilled because he doesn't really like engaging in with other people, but he watches them a lot. Because he still, you know, goes to school with them, goes to the Athenian functions. And uh, my final fair skill is crafts, uh, you know, fixing up the house with Aunt Granola. So grounded in Aunt Granola. I love it. I think those are good skills. <laughs> I've got some woods-based skills. Yes. Notice and athletics. Like just running around all the time looking at birds is a big part of Hermia's personality. And then for the third fair skill, I put empathy. She's got that whole thing (laughs) after the court date when Lysander's trying to reassure Hermia, hey, things are rough now, but it's going to work out, maybe. Hermia's very, ah, love is so hard. Love is so hard for so many people. It's so unjust. Love is so difficult. The course of true love never did run smooth, I think, comes from this section of the play. I could be totally wrong. No, that's, that's correct. I think it's a Lysander line. I read it in a book. But you agree with it. I do agree with it. I, I do think that Hermia wants things to work out for people. Yeah. It's a Lysander line, but she doesn't say, no, you're wrong. Yeah. Why? No. Yeah. 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 I, I do like empathy for her, but not quite as high yeah. as Helena. I think that's an interesting... I don't know what context you'd have an empathy off in, but... <laughs> When you find yourselves in different contexts where you both are challenged in terms of empathy, it'll be interesting to have you have it, but have it perhaps not be as strong. Fair, I put contacts, resources, and notice. I think she's pretty perceptive. Um, I think that comes with empathy, like noticing people's emotional states, I guess. 
Uh, and then average, I put stealth, drive, investigate, and lore. Drive specifically because I think she was definitely a horse girl. Yes, yes. Huge I love girl. that that is established as a mechanic in this game that Helena is a horse girl. I think I figured it all out. Take us home. I have a lot of things crossed out, things that are circled. Process of elimination. Um, okay, so I'm great at provoking. I'm good at athletics and resources. I'm fair at lore. We talked about how, like, Demetrius, because he is, like, the whiz kid. He's the golden... We have talked about this, we, yes. <laughs> people, people have been talking the title about of this. this. Um, is that, like, lore, I feel like he is, like, at least marginally studious. He's an intern. Um, should I put that under aspects? <laughs> intern at the Senate. Thank goodness. And then also under fair, I put physique. I think he is strong, but he's mm -hmm. not as strong as um, stamina E. I put contacts under fair. I do think that he has really good contacts, but I don't think they're great in the middle of the woods. Yeah, his LinkedIn goes nuts. Yeah. No, no, it's, yeah. So How hard. much good does that do you? Um, under average, I put Will. I think this is interesting because Will... Um, what our dramaturg Halleck has said is how easy you are to break. And I think the plus one is just like that little bit of composure that like Demetrius is very close to losing after just like years and years <laughs> oh, of yeah. holding it down. So like maybe Will wasn't always under average, but at this point, at this point <laughs> it's dynamic it's, in the course of his life that Will has just gone all the way down. He also has Deceive. I think he's like good enough at Deceive in the sense that he can like put on a, a persona. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's like a good liar necessarily. Mm. You know? I put crafts, I put crafts under average because he was a Boy Scout, but he really was. He was more of a leader <laughs> than he was um, a doer. He's a dreamer, not a doer. And I put notice under average just because I think it would be weird if he didn't notice things. Unranked burglar. <laughs> None of us are going to be good at burglaring. Wait, is Hermia a burglar? I don't think so. Okay. No burglars. Oh, gosh. If we have to steal something, we are lost. Burglary, uh, drive. I can't drive. I don't have good empathy. I don't think he has good stealth. I think he's got, like, a pretty loud gait. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's, like, slashing vines as he, with, like, a machete as yes. he walks through the woods. Absolutely. Um, machete. I don't think he's good at shooting. I don't think he, he trained in the bow and arrow. I, I put fight under unranked because I think it's funny if he it has, like, athletics and he has decent physique but he does not know how to fight he skips leg day yeah. <laughs> well and i think i think it very much follows the source text of the only one of these characters who has any fight skill is hermia yeah i think that works. <laughs> like because yeah. like demetrius and lysander talk about how they're going to fight for a very long time but they never fight on stage yeah. but hermia and, and helena do yeah and then i put investigate under unranked he notices things but he doesn't like look into it i think i just have my averages left um for lysander they are empathy resources investigate and stealth also got stealth as an average alongside lore resources and physique and for resources and lore i'm thinking specifically woods related she's not going to be able to call on her dad who would be her sort of social resource right. but she can find like i think she knows where the springs are mm -hmm. she knows where there's a wild apple tree and stuff like that. She knows what plants are going to kill you and what plants are just fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a good mushroom. Yeah, this is, this is the fun <laughs> yes. kind. Oh, put, put that in the campaign. The fun kind of mushroom. The fun kind of mushroom. Put some shrooms in there. I'll consider it. <laughs> 
Well, we get demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> right, all the money that we're yeah. making on yeah. this project. <laughs> so in the spirit of the original text, and more specifically in the spirit of Pyramus and Thisbe, we do have a prologue before we launch into our proper campaign in the next episode. Gentles, perchance you wonder at this show, but wonder on till truth make all things plain. One man is Theseus, if you would know, his lady Hippolyta is certain. The lusty Theseus, coming first by night, did charge upon the Amazons to fight. Against Amazons he fought, her army they did fall, which Hippolyta with blades did protect. Anon comes Theseus, strong man and tall, and finds Hippolyta his match perfect. Whereat with sword he wooed his buskined bride, he keeps her in his palace with great pains. To her they rush to be nuptial-fied, but oh, he thinks how slow this old moon wanes. Four lovers, all alike in riches and fame, in fair Athens where we lay our game, where Hermia, daughter of Aegeus, is engaged to one against her wishes. She loves not Demetrius, daddy's choice. She'd marry Lysander had she a voice. She must decide death or Demetrius. The matter is taken to Theseus, who gives her a third choice to be a nun, which is strange since at this time there were none. Hermia defends, Lysander notes, his rival once wooed one of Nader's, his daughter, Helena, whom he since left, in doting love, in pain bereft. But alas, Aegeus will not relent. To death, to Demetrius, or covent will be Hermia's fate, unless she could, with Lysander, run away through the wood. They tell Helena their plan to elope. She tells Demetrius out of a hope that he will reward her help with his love. So into the woods, the four lovers move. This all seems complex and rocky in sooth. The course of true love never did run smooth. Bardic Inspiration was directed by Max Tank, starring Allison Kinney as Hermia, Becca Davis as Demetrius, Hannah Hahn as Helena, and Silas Hayes as Lysander, with assistant direction from Rhea Karosaker and Raina Gregory. Our dramaturgs were Lily Halleck, Javier Perez, and Becca Davis. Our producer was Silas Hayes, and our original score was composed by Ellis Nolan and Hunter Carlton. Our stage manager was Rhea Karosaker. Ad reads were performed by Lydia Smith, Emily Wolfe, Max Tank, Silas Hayes, Catherine Thomas, and Felix Worthen, with narration from Nicole Luz, Tiffany Nguyen, Caleb Bodishbaugh, Will Clemens, Lydia Smith, Ellis Nolan, Hunter Carlton, Rhea Karasaker, and Raina Gregory. Our cover art was designed by Lily Halleck and Emma DiMartino. Bardic Inspiration was made possible by generous funding from the Miller Art Scholars Program. Special thanks to Dave Dalton, Esteban Marmolejo Suarez, Jess Singley, Marina Peebles, Sasha Olenek, Mary Myers, Jerry Horan, the McElroys, and last but not least, Mr. William Shakespeare. <laughs>